Will you turn to the gospel according to John, chapter 1, verse 17? For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. I'm very thankful indeed that I was able to go over to Belfast, Ireland yesterday and take part in the cornerstone laying of this free Presbyterian church in Belfast, of which Dr. Ian Paisley is the pastor. And the experiences which I had and the testimony which was given are such that I'd like to share them with my own people here and also with our entire ministry throughout the world and around the country. But uh, the emphasis was on the Reformation. The Reformation. The 450th anniversary of the Reformation is being observed the last of this month in this country and the first of next month in Europe. And the Free Presbyterian Church, of which Ian Paisley is the moderator, has been formed by these various elders and deacons and members withdrawing from the Presbyterian Church of Ireland, of North Ireland. One year ago, at this very moment, Ian Paisley and two of his companions were in the Kremlin Road prison. They were there for three months. Ian Paisley told me the greatest thing that ever happened to him in all his life was to be thrown into prison. God has used that. God has overruled that. God has blessed it in that land. And the whole country is stirred. It's deeply stirred. And I can only say to you that Billy Graham can go to London and go to Europe and have all his fanfare and all his revival meetings and all his crowds, but when he's finished, it just vanishes away. But Ian Paisley can be thrown in jail for three months and it shakes the whole country. And Ian Paisley can stand up for the Protestant Reformation and against the apostasy and souls are being saved and a permanent work is being done. And all of the United Kingdom, Scotland and England and Wales and Ireland have been affected by it. And while I was there, we went into, I might explain to you that uh, the property which they have obtained uh, was sold to them by a Baptist who was running a, a nursing home. And uh, what they have done is to tear down part of the front section and keep the latter section, but it fronts on a beautiful park and also overlooks their big bay, which they have there. It's one of the most beautiful locations in all of Belfast. It's uh, practically a city block in its size. And the church which they are building uh, will seat 2,200 uh, 2, people. And it will have uh, a very uh, U-shaped balcony in it. And what they have up at the present time is the steel frame. And uh, 
the laying of the cornerstone in their land is of great significance. In fact, it is the big event with them, more so than dedication, because they don't dedicate buildings over there. They tell you that they dedicate people, but they don't dedicate buildings. So they will not have any dedication services such as we have. But their big service was the laying of the cornerstones, and what was significant about the laying of the cornerstones is that the stones were plural. When we lay a cornerstone, we just put a stone in the corner and put some things in a box, and we come and move it in and put mortar about it, and we lay the cornerstone. They don't do it that way at all. It's entirely different, a different process. Uh, actually, what they had was eight stones eight stones and the main front entrance to the building as you went in the main front door on either side these stones four of them were one on top of another went from the ground up to the top of the door and there were uh, eight sort of a deep uh, grayish red marble eight of these stones, four on either side, and they had already been put in their place with their mortar and everything else set. And the carvings, of course, in the stones had been taken care of, and then the carvings had been filled in with some sort of a gold substance. So the letters stood out in gold as to what was said on the stones. And... Uh, they had a service and they had over 2,000 people crowded standing in around all over the place there. And at the close of the service, the company, the presbytery and all of us who were there marched out to the front and we stood there on a platform and all we did, they gave each one of us a gavel. I have a souvenir of a gavel which I brought back with me and then when it came your turn to lay your stone, you went over with that gavel and just tapped the stone. And that was it. And then you quoted the scripture which was on the stone. Now, I represented the International Council of Christian Churches and I had the first stone on the right side. And Bob Jones, Jr. of Bob Jones University had the bottom stone on the left side. And on the stone which I laid, of course, we had the ICC text, Revelation 1.9. For the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's what we have here on the entrance to our church. That's what you find in Kerala, and that's what the little bishop is going to put on all these new churches. That's what you find when you go into Brazil, all over the world. Our churches, our new churches, the churches they're building invariably they put Revelation 1-9 for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, in the case of Dr. Bob Jones, Jr., he had Psalm 91, verse 13. And I'd like to have you look at that passage, if you will. Psalm 91, verse 13. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. And all that was carved in gold on his stone and then his name and president of Bob, Bob, Bob Jones University. Then the stone just above Dr. Jones 
was a beautiful stone with the name of Mrs. Paisley and the fact that she was a counselor in the city council. Mrs. Paisley has been elected to the city council of the city of Belfast. And she has a three-year term for which she has been elected. And she is carrying on a tremendous ministry there in the city council. I talked with her about it. I sat with her at the dinner following and had a chance to discuss with her experiences on the city council and how she got out. How She said, well, she said, I think maybe that the people thought I wouldn't be very active because I'm so new. But she says, I'm not that way. She says, I speak up on every issue. And she does. She speaks up on these issues. And she said to me, she says, Dr. McIntyre, our Christian people, not only in Belfast, she said, but in all our countries, must get into the civil life of their communities. She said they must get into it. And I surely agreed with her. But she was elected, got the largest vote in her particular district, and undoubtedly the imprisonment of her husband for three months in the Kremlin Road prison had a great deal to do with her election to the city council of Belfast. But may you, will you turn to Psalm 127, verse 1. This is the text which is on her stone, engraved in gold. And as she quoted it, she spoke at some length about building the house, the home, where the family and the children are. But except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. And she said, the labor of men is in vain without, without the Lord. And that the Lord alone can keep the city and he expects to have people in charge of city affairs who trust him. It's a beautiful testimony that she gave. Then the fourth stone was in the name of the British uh, uh, Council of Protestant Christian Churches. And Brian Green, whom you know and who ministered with us, uh, tapped that stone. And uh, Brian Green uh, had on his stone Jude 3, uh, contending earnestly for the faith once delivered unto the saints. Now that took care of four of the stones, four of them. But in addition to these four, we moved on up and we had John Wiley, who was one of the companions of Paisley in prison and who also represented the presbytery of the Free Presbyterian Church and that was engraved on the stone. And his text was Philippians 1.17, I am set for the defense of the gospel. Then when we got to the two top stones, the two top ones, we had uh, the clerk of the session, the clock, clock of the session, they call it. And uh, his verse was Proverbs 11.30. And I want you to turn to that, if you will, please. Proverbs 11.30. And each one as he came and made his uh, his uh, tapping on the stone uh, spoke of these things. 
The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. And then the final text was John 1, 17, which I've taken tonight. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And this was Reverend J. Kyle Paisley, who was the father of Ian Paisley, and who has had so much to do with the separatist movement in, in Ireland. But to see these stones resting one upon the other and forming the, the pillars on the side of the main entrance, there are several entrances, of course, to this immense building, but the central entrance has these stones. And I was reminded, of course, since they put scripture on every one, of what we have down at Cape May in the cemetery there, where you have all these scripture verses on the tombs. But each one of these scriptures uh, represented an emphasis, the saving of the souls, the grace and truth by Jesus Christ, the contending for the faith, the set for the defense of the faith, the treading upon the lion and the adder, and then the ICCs for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. And when I got over there and saw all that was going on, I understood why Eon Paisley was so concerned and he was so afraid that I wasn't going to get there. He was really concerned. In fact, uh, he not only called me long distance early in the week, but uh, uh, even on Friday while I was in the court, he called again to make sure that nothing happened, that I didn't get delayed. He wanted me to be there for this historic occasion. And I was thrilled, of course, that we were able to go. But what is happening there in Belfast is that under the leadership of this man of God, the Lord is restraining the forces of apostasy. The Lord is helping to preserve the liberty that North Ireland has had. And the Lord is advancing the work of the church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Eon Paisley and his testimony there is one with ours. Now you'll be interested to know that they've already made arrangements for the chartering of a plane, and they're going to have it full without any difficulty. But they are planning to bring in this plane 110 people to Cape May for the Congress of the International Council of Christian Churches uh, next August when we meet in uh, the seventh plenary congress of our fellowship. Now, beloved, as we went into the building and into this, what was the nursing home, which they're turning into church offices, we went into Dr. Paisley's office, and the four walls of this large room are, are filled from the floor to the ceiling with just hundreds and hundreds of books, hundreds of books. And as I glanced around and looked at some of them, my eyes fell upon one book that I have known of for many years, but which I do not have and which I've often wanted to have, called A Cloud of Witnesses. And this book has the personal testimonies and the dying words of that company of martyrs who during the Reformation in Scotland died. It is a book somewhat similar to Fox's Book of Christian Martyrs. The difference is that Fox's Book of Christian Martyrs tells you the story. This book has the actual letters, the actual written testimonies from the prisons, and it's called A Cloud of Witnesses by J.H. Thompson. My eye fell upon it, and I immediately took it down from the shelf and began to look over it because this is the 450th year of the celebration of the Great Reformation. 
and the awful bloody uh, experience of the Christian church, especially in, in Scotland, uh, is one of the great chapters of the Reformation period. And from 1660 to about 1685, all manner of people were put to the stake. They were hanged. They were, they were put to death uh, because of their opposition to Popery and to Stuart and to Charles and to the attempt of the Roman Catholic Church to rule the ecclesiastical affairs of that realm. Now this book, I took it down and Dr. Paisley said, would you like to have it? I said, yes. And so he immediately wrote in it to Dr. Carl McIntyre for Ian Paisley on the day of the laying of the foundation stone of the new church. And then he marked it. Now, I propose to take this book and reprint sections of it from now on into Christian Beacon. This is the 450th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. And on November the 4th and the 5th, the International Council of Christian Churches will observe this anniversary by a great meeting in Worms, Germany. That's on the Rhine. That's where Luther was called before the Diet of Worms. There he was condemned. There he made his great stand and maintained his liberty as a believer. And he said, here I stand, the Lord helping me, I can do no other. And on that day, our brethren are going to gather from all over Europe. Ian Paisley's bringing a delegation from North Ireland to Worms. I expect to go over myself and be there for that occasion. But it'll be the only celebration in Europe of the Protestant Reformation involving a cross-section of all these various Protestant churches, Lutheran, Presbyterian, Reformed, Baptist, and all in the ICC, which will be free. The ecumenical group, the World Council, will have their celebration over in communist uh, territory in Wittenberg, which is in uh, East Germany, and already that has been restricted and the, the attendance has been determined by the communist government itself. But since we're thinking of these things, and since at the present moment we have this great emphasis on a reunion in going back to the Roman Catholic Church, and since in the realm where Paisley is we have the Archbishop of Canterbury who's leading this great movement back to the Roman Catholic Church, these testimonies of those who died in resisting the efforts of the Roman Catholic Church to rule in the political realm, to rule over the lives of men, not merely in the ecclesiastical realm, but also in the political realm, are of indeed the greatest significance. Now what I'd like to do for just a moment, I might say that I spent a great deal of my time today flying across the Atlantic this afternoon, uh, just glorying in these martyrs and the great testimony which they gave at that time to our blessed Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And at you, as you come to the end of this book of martyrs, there's a great section entitled The List of the Banished. The List of the Banished. And when you read the story of those who were banished, they were banished to the Carolinas. They were banished to East Jersey, where we are. And you have the stories of the different groups that were sent out, shiploads of them, simply banished and sent to the new world. 
We know of these things. It's a part of our own history. But you don't tie it in too closely with the Reformation itself. But the heritage which we have out of Scotland, out of Ireland, the heritage which we have, which went into the establishment of our concepts of a free state separate from the rule of the church and the separation of church and state is indeed a glorious heritage. And we are now seeing that heritage gradually, gradually uh, whittled away and taken away from us. I have here the testimony of a man by the name of James Nesbitt. Mr. De Nesbitt lived in the parish of London, but he went up to Glasgow on a certain occasion and he was identified as one of these Protestants. He was arrested. He suffered in Glasgow and he was put to death on June the 5th, 1684. He was put to death at the gallows. And he has written out, just before his passing, his own testimony as to why he was dying. And may I read you this? I, as a dying witness... Leave my testimony against popery and prelacy, which is so much countenanced and set up in Scotland this day, especially by those who seem to be most eminent, as it is in Galatians 1.6. I marvel that ye are so soon moved, removed from him that called you into his grace unto another gospel. Against the tyrant upon the throne of Britain and Ireland for his tyranny, oppression and bloodshed and for overturning the laws both civil and ecclesiastic and not making the law his rule to be ruled by but he ruling the law and not the law him which is not according to the word of God as it is in 2 Samuel 23.3 he that ruleth over man must be just ruling in the fear of God even against that tyrant and all upholders, aiders, assisters, and maintainers of him. Oh, what will become of this generation for their departing away from God? This is what this man was saying. And when you talk about the rule of men rather than the rule of laws, and you see that he was dying because of his resistance to popery, now may I read you the conclusion of this testimony just before he was put to death. And now I can freely and heartily forgive all men what they have done to me as I desire to be forgiven of my Father which is in heaven. But what they have done against a holy God and his image in me, that is not mine to forgive them. But I leave that to him to dispose on as he sees fit and as he may most glorify himself. Now, I am to take my leave of all created comforts here, and I bid farewell to the sweet scriptures, farewell reading and praying, farewell singing and suffering, farewell sighing and sorrowing, mourning and weeping, and farewell all Christian friends and relatives, farewell brethren and sisters, and all things in time, and welcome, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Welcome heaven and everlasting joy and praise, and innumerable company of angels and spirits of just men made perfect. Into thy hand I commit my spirit, for it is thine. And then it's signed, James Nesbitt.
That's the way these martyrs died. I might uh, read you this from Nesbitt's parting word. Now there are three sorts of folks that I would like to speak a last word to. First, are these that have begun in the way of the Lord and seemingly have a good length, but the storm of persecution arose for fear of the rough sea of trouble have drawn back. Oh, mind that word in Hebrews 10:38. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. And Romans 8:35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, and many more places of Scripture? Now here he's lecturing these people who started out; they've gone along good, but when this persecution came. Then they back away. And he's saying the tribulation won't separate them from the love of Christ. In Hebrews 10, 38, they mustn't draw back. They must go and stand, and if need be, they should die like he's being required to die. That's the first thing. Second, a sort are those who are going on in rebellion against God openly and avowedly as he may see in Psalm 2, 1, 4, 5. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore pleasure. Oh, poor Scotland, that once married away to the Lord and now has provoked him to depart and leave it and give a bill of divorcement, as it were. Oh, Scotland has sinned dreadfully. What by covenant-breaking, bloodshed, lying, and swearing? These are the words of this dying man who died in, on June the 5th, 1684. He was hung in the gallows. Now a third sort, or these who desire to keep their garments clean and undefiled with the abounding sins of this generation. Go on the way to the Lord, and fear not what man can do. For he said, Be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more they can do. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear, fear him which after he hath killed both hath power to cast into hell. I can set my seal to it that Christ is a good master and well worthy of suffering for. Now I want to turn back and read you. There's several hundred of these testimonies in here and they've been brought together. There's testimony of Robert Gray. He was put on the scaffold in, in, uh, in Scotland. And may I read you his last words. They were all put to death for resisting popery. They were all put to death for resisting this prelacy where the king spoke and ruled in behalf of the Roman Pope. Here it is. This is what brought their deaths. This is Robert Gray. And then he prayed and after prayer went up the ladder and looked about 
to the multitude said, Sirs, you are feeding your eyes upon me, but what see you upon me? Surely you see not the wrath of God upon me. But if you look up into the heavens, ye might see the wrath of an angry God against yourselves. And he said, I am brought out of another nation to own that covenant which ye have broken, and to seal it, and the glorious work of reformation with my blood, which covenant ye have not only broken, but ye have given it unto your hands that ye shall never own God any more, nor have any more of him. And he blessed the Lord, saying, Glory, glory, glory be to his name, that ever he gave me a life to lay down for him and witnessing against his enemies and the wrongs done to my Lord and Master Jesus Christ. The Lord be judged between me and you who have taken away my life. Which of us have been in the wrong to other? And assure yourselves there is wrath, sad wrath, hanging over this city for the innocent blood shed therein. But as for you, who are the remnant of the Lord's people, I would say this to you, keep your ground and beware of turning aside to one hand or another, and I will assure you, the Lord will prepare a Zoar for you. Cleave to truth, and cleave one to another, and as sure as God lives, ye shall see yet glorious days in Scotland. For I die in the faith of it, that he is on his way returning to the land. But woe, woe, woe will it be to those who are enemies and strangers of him. Then praying a little within himself, when some bade put him over and others cried out, spare him a little, he cried, I'm ready, I'm ready, whereupon the executioner threw him over. Beloved, we have no comprehension of the lives that were taken and the blood that was shed simply because our Protestant forebears believed that the Bible would be their only rule and their only faith. And as you turn through this list of martyrs and hear their stories, over and over again, they tell you that they are standing for the word of God. I adhere to the holy rule of the word of God, the scriptures of the Old and the New Testament containing the will of God to man, and that the scriptures are a rule of faith and manners for us. I adhere to the work of the Reformation in Scotland, to the covenants, national and solemn league, the confession of faith, in regard, it agrees with the foresaid writings, the larger and shorter catechisms as most seasonable, sound, and according to Scripture, and well worth the reading, considering, and practicing what is therein held. This is William Thompson, just his dying testimony. I adhere to the work of the Reformation in Scotland. I adhere to the confession of faith and the larger and shorter catechisms. And when I read that here was a man who died and was pushed off the gallows and was hanged, William Thompson, listen to his dying words. 
In the last place, I bear my testimony to the cross of Christ as the only desirable, upmaking, and rich lot for the people of God in this day in Scotland. Oh, it is the portion of poor things who desire to seek God and design honesty in the land. I think they want a good bargain if of it that want it, and I think they want nothing that have it and get leave to carry it uh, heartsomely and his presence under it. I would advise you all to take it on. I dare say this much for your encouragement that it is easy and sweet. There is no better to word, better way to carry the cross right than to cast all our cares upon Christ and trust him for all things and use our single endeavors in the matter and speak what he bids us and when he bids us and obey his voice in all things. Now, I declare, I hate all ungodliness. Now, farewell, all things wherein I have been troubled with. A wicked world, an evil heart of misbelief, a subtle, powerful, and malicious devil, and tempted with a company of men who have shaken off the fear of God. Now, welcome, Lord Jesus. Into thy hands I commit my spirit. William Thompson. Here's the story of Archibald Stewart. Let's see when he died. Upon the scaffold he sang the second psalm and read the third chapter of Malachi. But they would not suffer him to pray publicly for when he began to speak, saying, O Lord God, what wilt thou do with this generation? What thou wilt thou do with bloody Charles Stewart? Immediately the drums were beaten, his mouth was stopped, and he got no more said. In other words, he died in the midst of his prayer. They pushed him over in the midst of his prayer. This is what the Reformation cost. And what's glorious about this, if I may say it, all of these people were Presbyterians. All of these people were Presbyterians. And they died for a Bible which would be their only infallible rule and they were resisting Charles Stuart and his obedience to the Pope. There it is. And it was out of that tremendous suffering and out of that tremendous testimony of these martyrs over there in, in, in Scotland and in Ireland that all the liberty that the uh, Anglo-Saxon world had to give came to us. And we have it tonight. And over there in Great Britain, Eon Paisley has been raised up to sound the same great call to the Protestants to remain by their book and to remain under the blood and to remain in a hope that the Lord is coming for them. And the same emphasis upon these blessed texts of scriptures, this simple obedience to Christ. And when the hour came, these men stood, here is a shoemaker, here is a farmer, here is a, uh, here is a lady, here are the mothers. And they were taken one by one 
And we have one story here that one man passed his Bible. The last thing, he passed his Bible over to a lady and they arrested her immediately and she was executed shortly after that for receiving his Bible from his hand. Now all of that is behind us and yet right now in our land at this very moment we have a church which has laid aside the larger catechism and doesn't even exist anymore. We've turned aside from the Bible as the only infallible rule of faith and practice. And who is there that's willing to die for anything? Who is there that's even willing to stand up and let them call you names? Who is there that's even willing to say, here I belong to Christ? I was going to say that I was tremendously thrilled and impressed yesterday when in the midst of all of this, I saw all these dear Irish people, the women, the young ladies, the men, the ruddy red faces, their hearty people, and here they were out there dedicating, or rather laying the cornerstones to this new church building. And I saw the light of Christ, I saw the faith which is ours in their hearts, and I was deeply moved by it deeply moved by it. Our little battles over here with the Federal Communications Commission, they're a little compared to what has been done for us in the generations past. But if some way or other, somehow or other, we could communicate to the Lord's people in this day who profess Christ, who would be true to Christ, to remember the words of these people who by the scores went out and they put them on the gallows and they died because they would not bow down to a king, a Stuart, or a Charles. They would not bow down to the rule of the Roman Catholic popery over them. They wouldn't do it. And they died. They put them to death. And these great principles of are being ruled by law and not by men who make their own rules. These great principles that they suffered for are coming back again for us. We're going to have to fight for them. And I want you people to know as I go to that courtroom day after day, this week will be the third week and next week will be the fourth week, as I go back and forth and into that courtroom and as we deal with these issues, and I realize that we're fighting conditions in our country that are taking us back again, back down the road that we've already come, which has in it suffering and has in it afflictions and has in it troubles. That it's the same simple childlike faith that they had in the promises of God. And when you read this, A Cloud of Witnesses, that's the name of the book. And it's just nothing but quotations of the people who died. I knew it existed, and when I saw it in Paisley's library and I picked it up, he said, here, he says, I'll let you have it. And we're bringing it back to this country. And I'm going to print testimony after testimony, week after week now, in the Christian Beacon. And I may be able to read some of these things on the radio. But these are the things that our people today need to understand. They need to know that a price was paid. And here our brother Paisley, God bless him over there, fighting alone, standing alone. Here's your Presbyterian church. Here's your Anglican church. Here's your Archbishop of Canterbury, head of the Anglican church, leading the church right back down the road out of which these people suffered so much in order to be delivered. The law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. 
And I'm so thankful tonight that there is a, a group like the International Council of Christian Churches and that we could go over there and into that great church that they're building. There's a cornerstone right at the bottom of it. International Council of Christian Churches written into that place to stay there until the blessed Lord comes. There are churches and there are people and there are men who believe what these people believed for there's nothing else to believe. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now let us pray. Our Father, we thank Thee for our little trip overseas. We thank Thee for the blessed message we've had to bring back tonight. And wilt Thou be with us now and help us. We thank Thee for the memory of these who gave their lives years ago. That after these many centuries, even now, we can read what they said. And it's the same spirit, the same faith which thou hast given to us in these days. God bless us. God give us men and women who will not turn back. And men and women who will not compromise. And men and women who will not, for any purposes of gain or expediency, dishonor the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, bless this message tonight and the testimony of those whose names have been brought before us. For grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, let's turn now to hymn number 195. I'm awfully sorry I first time that ever happened. <laughs> we'll have to get rid of this. Thing.